edition um, on this beautiful Thursday morning in studio with us um, some guests who deserted us for a little bit they haven't been with us for a while well we're going to say a very pleasant good morning to the um, director of education Mr. Edgar Howell good morning. good morning Mr. Howell how are you I'm doing well a pleasant good morning Turks and Caicos nice to have you back in studio with us thank you and we have um, Miss Elsie Ann Delancey. She's the Curriculum Development Officer. Good morning, Miss Delancey. Thank you for joining good morning, us. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. You're smiling and looking quite bright. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All must be well. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, thank you both for joining us. Let's start. Um, let's get right into the deep end. What was the opening of this school year like? What uh, were the challenges? <laughs> the challenges. Mm -hmm. Well, let me tell you what it was like. It was the regular opening of schools. Uh -huh. The kinds of things that we normally deal with um, around the time when schools open in September. Teachers are coming back late August. Uh, schools are starting up doing professional development. Some of that is facilitated by the Department of Education, some by schools themselves, and then the staff meetings within schools, parents trying to get children into school. The regular start up of a school year mm -hmm. that's what we've had uh challenges places for children um challenges not all of our teachers in place mm -hmm. and and making preparation to facilitate uh, getting the majority of them in basic kinds of things that normally happen around the school year thankfully we haven't had to close school because of a storm so lee went off yes. to the north yes and Turks and Caicos is quite fine i mean we had a bit of rain on provo i don't know if any of the other islands had any but start up of the regular school year september yeah and mr howell do you have any any specific goals for for education in turks and caicos this year Jeez, that's a big question so early <laughs> in the morning. 
a really big question. Some of the some of the major things that we're doing, um, my colleague is going to speak to that from the curriculum unit. But within the broad uh, education sector, the minister is happy about some of the social programs that we're rolling out. And you're going to hear more about that next week. I think the 21st of September, we're doing an official launch. But certainly the assistance that we're going to give to children zero to three years old, to parents so that those children can access daycare centers and a robust um, educational experience. And when I say that, I don't want to get people, um, parents nor nor, um, daycare providers afraid. But for children to have an engaging experience in daycare that would prepare them for learning and for lifelong learning at that. And then we have the launch of the after school program, which will take place. um, That's going to be implemented as of October. Uh, Through the year, we're going to do a number of exciting things with partners. We have the science fair scheduled for next year, March. We have um, the week of the young child in October and a number of other things taking place in October, partnering with the Department for Culture and any number of other government agencies and and private um, entities to ensure that our children during this academic year, 23-24, get a a robust um, experience. And I might use that word a lot. I mean a fun and exciting, meaningful experience uh, in education this year. Mm -hmm. Now, I know you mentioned that the school year started as normal, um, and and I know you're based here, but have you touched base with all your teachers and and institutions around it? Not with all the teachers. I I wouldn't be able to do that. Not not quite yet. Um, Not quite yet. I had the opportunity to to meet four of the new teachers who who came into Turks and K because we actually went to the hotel and and had an engaging um, encounter with them, and then... Two of them, I, I personally took them to the ferry to go over to North. Mm-hmm. And one came back and she said, you know, it was really exciting to have been met by the director of education <laughs> at home. She would have never met her chief education mm-hmm. officer. Never, never, never. You'd read about them in the newspaper. Yep. You'd see them on That's TV. Right. Mm-hmm. But never the opportunity to be driven in a car and to have a personal conversation. That was good. I've been in touch with all of the principals. We've been communicating, mm-hmm. um, had meetings, and and I've had to reach out to them for some pers- for some information directly from them. And they're all seeming to do well. I've had the opportunity to just do a quick trip over to one of the islands um, and, and had a conversation with the principal there. And things are they they are looking happy. I mean, I, I, I imagine they had a really great summer because I think every principal left this country this year. <laughs> I don't know if last year was just that that wicked on them or that much pressure, but they all seem to have traveled and have rested a bit. And and for what I'm getting back, they seem ready for the year ahead. Good. Mm-hmm. I must let the Department of Tourism know we got a new ambassador. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So um, just before my, my co-host um, comes in, Mr. Lanzi, are there any new um, curriculum developments or educational initiatives that both parents and students can look forward to this year? Yes, actually, there are a lot. So I wonder how much time I have to speak. <laughs> All right, no problem. Um, so we have a lot going on in curriculum and curriculum development. Um, one of our recent launch of our programs would have been Greening Our Schools, where we launched that program in all public as well as private high schools and secondary schools secondary schools as well as primary schools, sorry. And that program basically look at developing those environmentally conscious citizens where they are actively engaging in projects and service in their community as well as in their school. And that program specifically looks at four pillars. And the pillars are waste management, 
um, electricity conservation, water conservation, as well as biodiversity. And the idea is that all the children within our country, in Turks and Caicos Islands, are working, coming up with projects around those areas. They're going to select one of those areas and come up with a project within their school, and they're going to compete for a green ribbon. So the idea is that every school can become a green flag winner, but however, only one school will be given the green ribbon, and that is within our Greening Our Schools program. So we want all of our kids actively engaging in those programs and, and in, within that program specifically and actively engaging in those projects to come up with those solutions because at the end of the day, as adults, we've already made all of the mistakes. Right. And now it's our kids. Yes, we've made all the mistakes. Now the idea is that we want our agents of change. I call them agents of change. And we're going to create that vehicle. And that vehicle is greening our schools. So we're hoping that we can have some solutions. We can cut that back on water um, use, cut back on electricity use, uh, come up with those biodiversity solutions within their schools, planting more plants in their school environments, uh, making sure their environments are green as well as controlling the waste. We already know in Blue Hills, uh, waste management is one of those those critical issues. So we're hoping that in five years, we're having a better, sustainable Turks and Caicos Islands. And piggybacking on that, we have farming in schools. And when I say piggybacking on that is because we have a sustainable solution now in terms of students actually growing their own food in schools. So we have 16 schools currently in the Turks and Caicos Islands that have backyard gardens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very awesome. Yes, we have two private schools and the other are public schools that are engaging in backyard farming. They're growing their own foods. And one of the major areas within farming in schools, it speaks to entrepreneurship. So it's not just growing your own food. Also, how can you make money from this? How you can sustain yourself, your community, as well as your family from what you grow, right? We're importing a lot of food. As I said before, we're creating agents of change and we have to kind of create that vehicle for them so that we can make that change within our community. So that is some of the programs that are coming out of the curriculum unit. We also have project-based learning. That is something that was launched a year ago, but however, we formalize it and specify it more in schools and that is in the public school. And with project-based learning, we're looking at three major occupational areas within the church and Caicos Islands and how can we enhance those areas at the primary level we already know we have the CVQ at the secondary level but how can we enhance those areas in primary school as young as kindergarten so what we did is we designed projects around three occupational areas and that is tourism agriculture and entrepreneurship areas that we feel that can grow more in the Turks and Caicos Islands so we have kids at the primary level engaging in things like um community service, farming, food preparation. And we have other programs like exploring art, community action, exploring music and dance, managing money, travel. How can I how can I market Turks and Caicos Islands as a destination? Right? That's the tourism coming in. Fishing, right? That's the agriculture coming in. The farming also piggyback on that. And as you can see, you can see there's a synergy in the programs, right? And that was intentional. When I came in office a few years ago in 2019, one of my major goals is that I wanted to create agents of change. I realized that we have a lot of learners who are passively receiving information and we need to create more active agents that are going to question the social norms, the things that we're constantly doing in our community and how they can come up with solutions to those issues. 
So that is some of the the programs. I'm wondering if I'm missing anything. I don't think. Well, I don't sir, think. Students take your enthusiasm. We're well on our way. Just let me just let me add that with, with the synergy that Mr. Lancy spoke about, you will see running through is this this underpinning notion of situating learning within the context of the community. Mm -hmm. So students must make sense of why it is I'm doing this right. bit mm. of information in schools. Schools must be relevant to children. And that's how we're making it relevant for them. Because when it is, then they can take the learning. A lot of us say, well, I didn't have to do that bit in math. Where does geometry and mm. where does trigonometry fit in? And you can, you can apply this now. And we're trying to do that as early as primary school so that our children come out of schools with this notion of the ideal Turks and Caicos Islanders. Exactly. Uh, Ms. Ilans yes, can tell you yes, more about that. But but a, 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 a person uh, who is ready and willing yep. to contribute to the development of this country. Mm -hmm. And if they go further afield to the development of wherever it is, they're living and earning money. Yeah. Exactly. And it's not just um, the programs that we have, but also the curriculum. One of the things that, because that's, that's one of the fields, uh, one of the things that I look at is curriculum development. That's one of my major, major roles, not necessarily program development and management, but curriculum development. Looking at what happens in the classroom and not the teacher seeing herself as um, the controller or the head of the classroom, but the students actively engaging in their learning and being a part of their learning and looking at subjects from more of a practical approach as a more as a theoretical approach, meaning math, making math fun, making math real world, right? How can I, because a lot of students will say to you, you know, what, how am I going to use math in the real world? But that's the reconstruction that we're creating within our education system and our public education system is that we want students to see math as real world and how can we solve our problems utilizing math and looking at social studies as social issues, right? Combating those social issues in the classroom. What are some problems we have in our classroom? How can you find solutions to those problems? And looking at English, not necessarily as just writing and reading, but also how can you enhance those literary skills that you have to make social changes within your environment? How can you enhance those skills that you have? Yeah. I'm sure, because I, I, I think I know you well enough to think like you. <laughs> I am looking forward to the day when the schools have market day and I can avoid going to that certain place yeah. up on Leeward Highway. Yes. Those expensive prices. I agree. More economical fresh foods. I would love to support the, <laughs> the backyard garden and the greening. I think um, I love the idea of the applied curriculum. I think you guys hit the nail on the head. Everybody knows what's the age old question. How am I going to use calculus in my, my real life? <laughs> You know, maybe I want to be a science, maybe somehow advanced applied math will tie into my career. But in my day to day life, what are the odds of me ever using some of these these skills? And the reality is when you have a curriculum that ties in to your day to day life, not just your future, but how you you see your parents paying rent and you, you kind of break down what it is to be an adult in your budget and what 10 percent discount means at the store, how to calculate it quickly and apply it to your budget. I think it, it's more easily absorbed. So I love the idea of a curriculum that really speaks to day-to-day -day life and real life. And, and I think you guys are definitely heading in the right uh, direction. So my, my question now is the cultural impact on a curriculum um, and not as an elective or kind of a voluntary aspect, but like a mainstay in a curriculum actually being graded on your cultural knowledge. So tying it into literature, for example, where we have all these local authors that that have written books that can become a part 
of your reading list in literature or culture attached to history where you have to say who are the form, former premiers and when did Paul Higgs and um, um, uh, Norman Saunders meet to um, with um, what's his name in Middle Cakes? I always forget white man. His name Middle Cakes to decide the government and 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 no, these are parts. These are these are parts of our history that we learn. And you, my good good cousin over here, know <laughs> very indirectly. We had this old person in the family. Every every family had the historian. That anytime we get together. And our, our, your brother, my late, late good cousin, who was the family historian, every time we get together, we had to sit down for hours and tell us how um, um, Cle uh, not Clement Howell and um, or the other cousin, Eric Jolly, and the founder, the original real, according to him, the real founders of the PNP, and how we ended up in the situation we are now, and they did this and they did that. How do we make this? tie this into our curriculum. How do we make sure our culture is in laws? Because we have such a diverse community. We're a melting pot. We talk about English and English, we call English our first language. It's not anymore as a community. It's our national language, yeah, but it's not the most spoken language. We have a diverse community and there's no way around it. How do we make sure that everyone that decides to be a part of our society and those that are direct descendants of our society never lose their culture? They're graded on it. It's nice when we get pasta gold, come and put on a class about cutting boats and the kids get to see it. But that's almost like P.E. You know, you see it, you, you don't really absorb it. It's always cute. It's a cute day. But how do we tie it in like integrated science, like home economics, like applied mathematics where you're graded on it and you have to absorb this information? And then you can still make it fun like you are with the rest of the curriculum and it can be more engaging and that's only half my question. I'm an ex half of your question. Yeah, yeah, well, 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 give us, give us. You remember the next half of your question <laughs> okay, okay, okay. and give us an opportunity. All right, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, my apologies. I think, I think both of us will come at it differently. Okay, And go I'm going to ask Ms. Delancey to answer first because she would probably see it from a, a curriculum perspective. Okay. And then I want to add some other things that we're doing in education to, to address awesome. the, the question that you've raised. Okay, first, um, excellent question. I think um, culture... Um, patriotism it should be something that is taught definitely into the curriculum and it's already taught in the curriculum from the mm -hmm. primary level that's a part of um, the social studies subject mm -hmm. um, but one of the things that I uh, what we have done at the curriculum unit is that we have created standards mm -hmm. right what do you expect a child to know by the end of a certain grade mm -hmm. that's standard they're mandatory right and there, there are social studies standards and the social studies standards are around culture mm -hmm. right what do we expect a child to know by the end of K1, K2, grade one, and so on? Now, the problem with that is that the standards are there. It's mandatory for public schools, but for private schools, because that's a policy situation, mm. I cannot demand you to teach these standards and ensure that these standards are taught because it is more of... You know, if you would want to, here they are. But for the public schools, it's mandatory that social studies standards, meaning that what a child is expected to do by the end of each grade, that it's mandatory and it is available. And that is something that has been implemented in all schools. Our social studies standards, what we expect our children to do at the end of each grade for grade six. Now, for secondary level, I've been partnering with um, Dr. Carlton Mills, and we've been working on a... Uh, curriculum, a history curriculum, right? Specifically the Turks and Caicos Islands, history and everything, social studies, Turks and Caicos, local 
local studies actually a local studies curriculum and that's something that's in the work now the problem is that the information that you know i may know or someone else may know it, it crosses a line in terms of what is actual facts mm -hmm. so it's taking some time to actually gather all of the information we're working on it it's taking a while because i want to make sure that when i put that out to the world it's fact because yeah. it's coming from the department of education so it's going to be a lot of vetting verifying and yeah, so that is going to take some while on my end. Our unit is extremely small. It's just mm -hmm. three of us um, and two persons who are working on that particular curriculum and then um, Dr. Mills. So once we've gotten that information verified and we have had a lot of vetters at the different levels go through uh, the curriculum, then we'll have that launch. That will be the local studies from form one to fifth form. I think Mr. Howell will be able to speak on the standards and policy. Um, perhaps not the standards. I'm leaving that to curriculum unit. <laughs> I'm leaving that to curriculum unit. But but to share some things, Mr. Jolly, um, to answer the question and and some of the practical things that we're doing mm. to to address your concern. I hope you're remembering the second part oh. of your question. Stay the first ready. part was even long. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry. So, so no no no. Don't apologize. I, I, we're we work in education. Mm. We're not going to pretend we don't know. We're going to at mm. least give you an answer. <laughs> yeah, that. even if it's not all of it. Um, <laughs> one of the hey, there you go. Oh, there you go. And, and I wanted to say that I wanted to begin responding by saying a number of Turks and Caicos Islands have um, Islanders have written. Mm -hmm. There's written material all over the place. Mm -hmm. And so one of the exciting opportunities we have in education is the opportunity for research, mm -hmm. cross-referencing all of what has been written and, dis and distilling from that what is factual, mm -hmm. as Mr. Lancy said. So by the time we are publishing material, for teachers to, to use and for children to, to use as, as um, verified material, they would have the opportunity to look at what different authors have said, recognizing mm. that we bring a certain, uh, a certain spin on a story depending on the lens through which we're looking. Mm -hmm. I might be loyal to Blue Hills, mm -hmm. and so when I write about Blue Hills, mm -hmm. I'm going to put some extra bit of information mm -hmm. in it about Blue Hills Absolutely. that a researcher mm -hmm. would say, how is it this author concentrated on this area about Blue Hills? Mm -hmm. Well, they might eventually figure he was born in Blue yes. Hills. He yeah. grew Personal up there, experience. so he has some loyalty yes. to yeah. Blue Hills. And let me ask somebody else, mm -hmm. right, about the same time that he is writing, about the same material that he's writing about. Let me ask someone else who didn't grow up and live in Blue Hills mm -hmm. and hear their perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So that I might arrive at what really took place, mm -hmm. and I can then um, go I on from there. There you go. We will have differing opinions. Well, these go. days they're very similar because Grant Turk loves me. <laughs> so, 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 me so, so well. is it that it, it, it was different because you felt Grant it was tainted? Yes, oh. it was slightly tainted. My my past with Grant Turk wasn't it, wasn't it, as great it, as it's, it's been. a pity that you didn't describe it in the context of your love no, for Grant well, Turk. I know. Well, the people now, loving you. Well, <laughs> There you go. Everyone so, loves me. Yeah. All right. So, so <laughs> some of the things that we've done, we've made a deliberate, and there was a time when the Department for Culture was actually in the Ministry of Education. Yes. So we made a deliberate partnership with the Department for Culture. They go into our schools. We invite them into our schools. Mm -hmm. They facilitate it for us. Um, well, not for us. They did it, and we partnered with them. Teacher training in both zones, in Grand Turk, where they brought the teachers in from South Caicos, and on Providential is where we brought in teachers from mm -hmm. Middle and North. Mm -hmm. And they held, I believe it was two days, if not three days of, of workshops with them on cultural activities. So the teachers are aware because one of the criticisms is that 
the teachers, some of our social studies teachers, especially at the primary school mm -hmm. level, are not well versed in TCI history. Right. So they took the initiative and they got that started. We partnered with them to make it happen. And it was not just a one-off. They are going to also ensure that they take teachers on field trips. Mm -hmm. We are excited about yeah. that mm -hmm. because I think sometimes when you have that experience, experiential knowledge, you will never forget. Mm -hmm. Unless it's a bad experience like Zivago and Grand Turk, <laughs> uh, but 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 we want we want teachers to have that, and that is what they're facilitating for us. Some of the other things that we have done, I remember a lot of my cultural heritage because my parents taught me. Mm. We did fry cakes. I can make mm. the best fry cakes in my house. I challenge cake. that. You you make the best fry cakes, but in not your a fry house. cake. And Turks and Caicos. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I'm not claiming Turks. I, I am. It. Okay, you are claiming. I ready. We want fry cake tomorrow. Not tomorrow. <laughs> Saturday, 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 maybe, Saturday. Okay, okay. He, he has to go and find a recipe. That's why he, yeah. But, but, but <laughs> that's where I learned that. Mm -hmm. I learned a lot about Turks and Caicos by my parents taking me out to what was then Provo Day, 1st of mm -hmm. August. We used to go down to... Chalk Sound, if, if you remember driving on the spine, uh, just as you go down the hill, there was there's an area that's cleared up out there on the creek that we went to. And that's where they did climbing the greasy pole. That's where they did mm -hmm. um, south. And, and back then, when we talked about south, it was only pork. Mm -hmm. When I was young, there was no such thing as chicken, chicken south. Yeah. South. And so when I went and ordered sauce, the lady looked at me and she said, what kind do you want? And I said, what, what kind? What how, are you talking how about? How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's the experience we had. Yes. And so my personal view, and, and this is Edgar's personal view, is that our children will best learn their cultural heritage by the experiences their parents exposed them to, their mm -hmm. schooling exposed them to, and the wider community. So we will do our bit. We've written it into the curriculum, so mm -hmm. they're being taught formally. And I know a part of your question was whether it's graded or not. It has to be graded so that, so that you're making sure that they have actually learned it. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think a part of the authenticity of whether they are getting the concepts is watching our children over time to see that they're carrying it on, mm -hmm. and then with the assurance that they will then pass it on to their children. Mm -hmm. That's important. We can have it enshrined in the curriculum, but I think we need to have lived experiences. Mm -hmm. And I believe that is what the Department of Culture tries to do. Mm -hmm. That's what we do in, 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 in writing it into the curriculum. That's what our schools do in ensuring that there are cultural days at every school mm -hmm. that allows the children to express themselves, whether they are paying attention to the different islands and backgrounds from which their children come, mm -hmm. or they're concentrating only on TCI, or it's, it's about our national hero, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. The focus is to make sure that the children are experiencing mm -hmm. their culture. Yeah. And, and as they do, they then will pass that on. It's, it's going to change over time. I think we needn't um, try to act as if it will not. Mm -hmm. Some things will be added over time. Mm -hmm. and, and generations from now, what we would have known as our experience would have changed because, because people will, will evolve and they will grow and they will add to it. But we see the importance mm -hmm. of the concern that you have. Mm -hmm. and, and we have made, I think, some significant steps towards making sure that mm -hmm. our children have those experiences. One of the uh, things that I think was tried a, a while ago was in the geography um, and in Caribbean history. There was a plug, um, a lady by the name of Maureen Williams, who served at one point as an education officer. 
looked at getting map work into the geography CSEC exams. Mm-hmm. And she looked at incorporating bits of TCI history into mm-hmm. the Caribbean history examinations. Now, you must appreciate that not every country could have bits of their own yes. history mm-hmm. in the written curriculum. Mm-hmm. But you most certainly can expose your children to mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. In, in the field trips, yeah. in how they engage in the extracurricular activities. And as I end my answer to your first part <laughs> of your question, I want to share with the public that this after-school program that the minister will speak to next week and has been talking about, that is one way in which we're going to also be able to give our children some mm. lived experiences mm. because we will have performing arts, we will have dance, we will have local drama and, 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 and other bits of culture, history, um, heritage, mm. so that TCI children know mm-hmm. that they're living in TCI, mm-hmm. this is TCI mm-hmm. culture, yeah. and hopefully they will take that yeah. forward mm-hmm. to pass it on to their, to their I children. Agree. Right. Yeah. You know what I say, forcibly. Possibly. Yeah. And grade it. So. Yeah. I, you with me on that one? Yeah. Oh, y'all ready? Make it a question. Oh, wow. <laughs> the shit. I know. Anyway, so we were talking about the applied curriculum, and I actually, I really enjoyed that part, and I, yes. I, I, I want to celebrate the passion that both of you have. Obviously, the younger counterpart is just expected, but those of you that don't know... Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Talk that's what I was going to say. Those, those of you that don't know, uh, my good cousin here, back in the 90s, <laughs> was actually my form teacher. So I show in both our age right now. <laughs> if you say teen, none of us young. Well, <laughs> yeah. we talk about the applied curriculum. I actually want to take like just 30 seconds to actually say how this isn't new to him. He was teaching us this from back in the 90s about... Well, when he was our integrated science teacher, but he was also our form teacher. So everything we learned, he would always try to apply to our day-to-day life. This is why mommy did this. This is why daddy did this. If you um doing this, this is how it works in the household. Money isn't just, when you're doing math, it's not just a number. That's money. That's how much your rent is, how much your was PPC back there, not for this. Your bill was, and et cetera, et cetera. So this isn't new to him. So when you talked about the entrepreneurship, that's what I want to ask about. We talk about the tourism and all the potential fields where a person will be able to apply what they learn in the curriculum to these fields. What about the back of house? So many of our students, when they graduate high school, they're literally ignorant to day-to-day life of an adult. They have no idea where to go into NIB. They don't know how to fill out an NIB form, NHIB form. They, most of them don't know how to fill out a form, period, go to the bank. What They don't know, like, apply for the status card, this, and open an account. They don't know how to calculate a budget. Now, I'm sure budgets are very popular. A lot of schools have integrated them in the Caribbean. But I'm just talking about specific to how we operate in Turks. Your driver's license, your this, your that. Do we have conversations with these various departments? Do we ask them to even come in? Because maybe you can't incorporate in the curriculum, but they can come into the school with the fit formers and talk to them. Hey, buddy, this is what you're going to need. This is what you're going to need. This is... So I, I was curious about that. I think you kind of answered the question. I tried it. Yeah, that's that's basically. So what we do at uh, the third form level as well as the fifth form levels, we have career days. 
right? Um, and we expose students to those aspects where we have persons come in and they would speak to them in terms of what is expected to them of them when mm. they go out into the real world. Mm. So those conversations are being held. At, their, at the secondary level. So that is something I think that's extremely important. And we are not wanting to just have those conversations at the secondary level, but also having those conversations at the primary level and making them aware that this is exi- this exists. This is what mommy does. This is what, and it comes out a lot in the language arts curriculum where they have to fill out forms. So forms is a, is a major component within the language arts grade five and grade six curriculum, like where they actually have to complete forms and why the purpose of this form and how to complete those forms. So they're looking at the driver's license form, the NIV form, those looking at children. all those forms. <laughs> I feel bad. But that's a very that's an important skill. And I'm glad that you brought that up. That's a, I listen, scaring them out of adulthood. I was going to say that, you know, um, uh, Mr. Jolly is celebrating... And and by the way, I'm really, really happy that you remembered some of the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I was shocked back then, you know. I was. Yeah. Yeah. I shot um, the wall. He's talking about the 90s. Let me clarify for the listening public. I have to save myself here a little bit. Um, he started school in 1998, September. High school. How do you remember that? Because because I was appointed as your form teacher then, okay, and I felt as if my administrators punished me by making me stay with them for the entire five years. He did. Well, he never lost it. I said to them that they didn't punish the children. Um, they no, they didn't punish me uh-huh. by giving the children to me. They punished the children by giving me to them. You're you're welcome. <laughs> they they needed somebody else. But 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 um in in terms of the practical experiences. Mm. But you seemed excited earlier on that some of this is happening, and I wondered about a child that we might talk to now. And it was, what? I don't want to know <laughs> how my parents pay the bills. I don't want to know anything about this just now. Um, they want to stay at that age where everything happens for them. Mm-hmm. But life has taught us that's not possible. We mm-hmm. must grow, yeah. and we must experience life, and we must have a firm footing on which we know that we have citizens who are capable mm-hmm. of negotiating their way through life. We can't, the country must not have to provide everything for everybody. Mm-hmm. We would expect the majority of them to be able to get on with it. And that way we know we have a chance at a strong economy because people are capable of functioning. That's what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the ways that we're doing it is to focus on financial literacies. We've had quite a number of persons who have approached us to say we would want to come into schools and to help you with delivering a course in financial literacy so that your students understand how do I fill out? How do I open a bank account? Mm. We might think, well, if you teach a child to read and write, they should be able to do it on their own. But some of them still need a little bit of yeah. guidance mm-hmm. and then send them off. I had asked my elder sister to write a letter for me. And she said, I hope I could say this on, on radio. My mm-hmm. pastor isn't listening. What the, what the hell did we send you to college for? That's your family. Your family. We paid for you to learn yes, to write your own letter. I agree. And you're going to do it. Yes. Yeah. And so after that, I never asked her again. Mm. Did it on my own. But some people need the additional support. Mm-hmm. And as Ms. Delancey said, we've integrated that into the school program. And this gives me an opportunity to talk about one of the other exciting things that we hope to do this year. This might seem standard that, that it should have been in schools already, but we are embarking on what we're referring to as student support services. Through student support services, we aim to strengthen our ability 
to provide support for children to get them through school successfully. Some of them really need the extra help. Mm -hmm. Some of them are getting on quite well, and, and we will simply push them along. And so what we anticipate is with the forms and other mm -hmm. things that you mentioned, that our guidance counselors, along with form teachers mm. at the high school level, with, with um, class teachers at the primary level, would be able to sit with children and facilitate those opportunities, not only during the career development um, sessions that Mr. Lanzi referred to, but as a part of an English lesson, mm -hmm. right, filling out forms. You might bring in some of these forms that children and young people have to fill out from time to time, and you might say, well, if you're applying for to be registered with National Health Insurance, this is the form that you have to complete as a part of an English lesson. Mm. We're going to complete yeah. this form. Yeah. yeah. As a part of the lesson at the primary level where we're teaching the Caribbean primary exit assessment and students have to do the school-based um, projects, they get to do it. A teacher will say, um, is there anything incorrect about this that you may have forgotten or that you've done incorrect? Give the child the opportunity to think through that, make the correction, and then go back at it. Because Really, it's 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 a developmental process. Mm -hmm. We don't catch anything. Some of us are smart, like Mr. Jolly, can catch things once and and get on with it. <laughs> Some of us have to go at it again mm -hmm. and go at it again, and uh -huh. we develop along the way. And so that that is the kinds of strategies that we're using or implementing in schools to be able to arrive at a situation where the majority of our children leaving primary high school, well, high school in particular can fill out the necessary forms. Mm -hmm. Then I have to ask somebody else to do it yeah. for them unless mm -hmm. they really can't mm -hmm. do it. But they understand what is required. They can get on with it. They can go in the bank and fill out an application for a loan. Mm -hmm. Or better yet, they can save their money and then mm -hmm. go to the business people, mm -hmm. um, business licensing people, mm -hmm. and, 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 and apply for a business Listen. license and create a business of yeah. their own Listen. and employ a couple people yeah. and run a really successful business because we would have given them the foundation on which Mr. to... Mr. Howell... Go. I was about to say to Mr. Howell, I think, dude, that's so commendable because the earlier we, we learn it or it's taught, Listen. the better citizens we become yeah. eventually. I, I, I'll take it a step further. The more successful of an individual. Yes. I yeah. think we, we shouldn't just skim over that. I agree with you. It, that, I hope you guys understand the magnitude of that program that yeah. you're doing. I've said it before, even me as an individual person, but I think that separates me from a lot of other business people. I am not afraid of a form. There are places in the world where you cannot do business without filling out 10 different forms. Mm -hmm. They put policies in place and they know how to strategically put hurdles in your way to isolate a certain group of people mm -hmm. to make sure that others can take advantage of it. Yeah. We can talk about the Invest TC grant. We can talk about technical assistance. We can talk about business license, STEM duty exemption, yeah. all these things that can help you in life, save you thousands of dollars, $10,000, put you in a house, help your business grow. And I think uh, like even for my family, I'm the form filler for my family. Just like you're talking about, you asked me, my parents call me. I the Esther, the <laughs> passport application, the subdivision transfer of land. Me, I I got every I got everyone's ID in my phone. I got everyone's. I know everybody's signature. <laughs> reference letter. Listen, I would get a job with a reference. I write the reference letter and send it to you to sign. Yes. And I look stellar. Because Trivago is an amazing person I've known for umpteen years. And if we could get our people to understand how valuable this skill set is, when when the government says we're launching the STEM duty program, they're not afraid. They don't because what do we do? I mean, oh, die for us. We got to fill out this form and do this time. They get scared. I get excited. I get in that dude. You know, 
And and you guys are doing an amazing thing. And I say, keep doing, take it further. When the STEM duty exemption come up, tell them, send you forms to the schools. Let the kids practice on them. So when they graduate, they already done it before. They know. And I, I love it. Keep it going. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to add. Uh, first, I share the same sentiments. I think I'm the form filler for my family. Mm-hmm. I have a copy of everybody. Passport, ID, signature, <laughs> everything is on my phone. Um, so I understand that. And I think that a lot of agencies are profiting off persons in our community yeah. because they're afraid of forms. Absolutely. And I want to take it a bit further as well and just encourage the parents as well that, you know, don't rely on the schools mm-hmm. to do everything. Um, That's true. Teach your kids. Yes. Yeah. Teach your kids. You know, bring those forms home. Mm-hmm. Get them to fill the forms out. Ensure that they are knowledgeable of how to fill these formulas so they're not taken advantage of. Because, yeah, that's a possibility. As you were talking about the different the different um, areas in which people have to fill out forms and, and how, in some instances, uh, the system is set to eliminate certain mm. certain persons, mm. my mind came to, and I hope I don't get in any trouble for this, my, my mind came <laughs> so to I love this man, completing, <laughs> completing a bid for a government contract. Yes. Boom. Right? People say a whole lot of things about procurement and, mm-hmm. and, and no rocks. We don't have any in this room, mm-hmm. thank God. <laughs> but but a lot of it has to do with the quality of the bid. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I've wondered how come, well, maybe there are people who are benefiting financially from assisting others with yes. completing mm-hmm. a bid. Something that is an opportunity that a lot of people can't really take advantage of mm-hmm. because they don't have the skills mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. complete a bid. Mm-hmm. And mind you, the information is set out quite simple. You probably have to spend some money, invest some money in getting some of the things in order. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the areas as well that I think uh, maybe the community college or perhaps yes. a private entity could lead on that. And, and I know a lot of our focus in this discussion is really primary and secondary school. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it speaks to when we talk about lifelong learning. And I remember somebody asking this question. When when I talk about lifelong learning and, and accessing um, benefits in this country, what are we really talking about? We're really talking about giving a child three years, three, zero to three, making sure that that child has exposure to meaningful stimulation. Mm. And by stimulation, I mean cognitive stimulation, helping that child to understand, teaching that child how to think critically, distinguishing Mm. between colors, manipulating um, a pencil or a pen or crayon, Mm -hmm. helping helping the child to learn Mm -hmm. and setting then that child on a path. Research says that if you give that kind of exposure to a zero to three-year-old as the brain cells are being developed and as those connections are being made in the brain, Mm -hmm. you would have given that child the best possible opportunity to survive and to make a meaningful Mm -hmm. life. Now, they could choose otherwise, Mm -hmm. but you would have given them the foundation on which to build. And and for us, um, that's what we aim to do. It's not going to happen overnight. I don't want Mm -hmm. anybody to think that because, (laughs) as you said, you hope that we understand the investment when mm. we talk about student support services. It is really an investment For in human future. development. Absolutely. And everybody needs to be a part of it. So that's what we've been saying. We've been talking with guidance counselors and talking with principals and talking with teachers and, and talking with the partners that we have, social development, the police, rehabilitative um, the programs there, everybody. Mm-hmm. 
because all of us we're helping to make this to build this person that we refer to as the ideal Turk and Caicos Islander mm -hmm. with a set of skills and with with um, behavioral skills as well, the ability to think well, the ability to reason, and then to make positive contributions to this country. It sounds good talking about it. It's hard work doing it on the ground. Because it's hard work doing it. There are a lot of difficulties because yeah. I don't want to make it seem as if it's just all ice cream and mm. cake mm -hmm. and rainbows and sunshine. There are a lot of difficulties in terms of reforming because what we're doing is education reform and it's extremely difficult especially um, um, some of the schools and, and some of the teachers. It's difficult to get everyone. Mm. Majority of the schools and persons are on board mm. but it's difficult to to get everyone on board but I feel that with passion and I have a lot of passion Mr. Howell have a lot of passion mm. I feel like with passion you can ignite a flame in anyone so it's going to take some time but we're going to get everyone on board mm. so yeah so, I, I want to kind of I was ready to rock the boat too yeah let's go <laughs> we, we just heard um, WHO announced that their new variants of COVID mm. how has the Ministry of Education and the department in particular prepared itself to address any potential disruptions in the school year should we have another pandemic or any unforeseen challenges? Mm. Would. That's how we must prepare ourselves. <laughs> well, listen, so you're not superstitious either? Yeah. Well, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm going to take your advice. I'm going to knock wood. Thank you. <laughs> great, great, great. The, the question came um, from a different area earlier as we were really getting ready to open schools. Um, about the ministries or the department's readiness, especially to deal with any sort of um, mm -hmm. uh, disease or illness that might interrupt the normal flow of school. And one of the things that the ministry is investing in, and you haven't heard us talking a whole lot about this because I think we're still a little ways um, away. Hopefully it can be launched this year. But we're developing a learning management system that would allow our children to access classes online if we ever have to close schools, and, and I pray that that never happens. Mm -hmm. So so in addition to knocking on wood, well, before knocking on wood, I want to talk to God about it. <laughs> Amen. Hey, let, <laughs> let, let, let Turks and Caicos slide by. Mm -hmm. um, not that we're better than anybody else, but, hey, but just start that. with your village. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, my house and then Blue Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like Grand Talk people. <laughs> yeah. But, but, um, to, to be able to allow our children, and that has the potential as well to address some of what we have been having to deal with, with teachers resigning mm. late into the school year and, and teacher shortages, because our children would still be able to get into their classes and carry on with learning, even though we may not have a physical, well, well the, the particular subject teacher in the classroom, mm. because you'll still have a physical body mm. in the room assisting them. And in terms of the health issues, I think, We've learned a lot of lessons from the experience with COVID, having to close schools, having to think around how do we reopen schools and allow our children to be as safe as possible, and then expanding that, because you would know that we did it in phases. We brought back the older children who were going to take exams because we felt it was important for them, mm -hmm. and then we started bringing back the, the other children into the system. And some of those things that we did, uh, schools have actually incorporated them into their disaster management plan. So they have a set of protocols that we, it doesn't always work like we want it mm. to work. <laughs> Let me say that. Mm. But the set of protocols are there. And as, as things happen, um, and, and even before things happen, we've experienced that our principals understand how they are to function. So if something happens, there's a trigger, and they know 
these are the things we, we're going to put in place. Mm-hmm. I trust that parents um, are just as invested and will not be afraid because I think we allow it to some extent fear to rule us when we first heard about COVID. And maybe that was just the human thing. Perhaps I'm just mm-hmm. overly um, thinking about it. But we must not allow a fear to rule us. Mm-hmm. We know that we have a set of protocols in place. We know that there's a trigger for those. And we need to prepare ourselves and, and just keep the practice going, the skill, the drills. When it happens, when this happens, mm-hmm. I, my trigger is going to come from X, Y, Z. And we... We put it in place mm. for the children, for staff in schools, for parents, and, and how to deal with that. And hopefully, with the kind of work that we've been doing with the Ministry of Health, they, they keep us informed whenever mm. there is something going on that we should be aware of. If there is anything going on in any of our schools, they know, because the students must come to them first, and they're able to say to us, this is happening, perhaps you'd want to begin to think around. Mm. And so with the partnerships, I believe we have um, a good opportunity to be able to respond, um, to be able to ensure that things are in place to give us the best possible chances to have our, to to keep our children as safe as possible. We will not win all of them. I think, Mm -hmm. I think um, we don't need to fool ourselves. And given what many uh, departments might refer to as limited uh, manpower in some instances, and and overwork manpower in other instances, I still believe that with the the kinds of partnerships we share, we would be able to respond and respond in the interest of our children and staff. Yeah, uh, well, we know the House of Assembly is reopening this morning, but I wanted to ask, I'm not sure how it works here, because uh, in Jamaica, where I went to school, we had, my parents had to buy my book. Mm. Um, and Shivago mentioned that we have such a varied demographic of people in Turks and Caicos, particularly our socioeconomic levels. Mm-hmm. So are there any concerns about resources, textbooks, technology, educational material, and how are we addressing those resource gaps if they exist? So there is the concern about textbooks and the affordability. Textbooks are quite costly. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, are they would order their books out of Jamaica ahead of time. I don't know if they're getting it cheaper. I imagine that to them the, the cost is, is yeah, reduced because they're, they're doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a book exchange. Some schools have actually negotiated that on their own. The, the books, the textbooks that are purchased by TCIG, they are sold to parents at cost. We, oh, don't, okay. we don't add a markup okay. on it. Mm-hmm. And so that allows for them to afford it, probably compared with some private entities mm-hmm. who, are, who are also in the textbooks market. Um, one of the recommendations that came out of the education policy, that the, the draft education policy, is to look at a, a, a book lending system where we invite parents to return their books to the school mm-hmm. and then the school makes that available to, to students mm-hmm. over time. Of course, if it's damaged, there's a, there's a fee that mm-hmm. will be paid for it. In terms of other educational resources, I think those are accessible. People know how to get stuff. Amazon has really mm-hmm. um, changed the dynamics. Well. Yeah, it's changed the dynamics for for a whole lot of people. And also, um, I feel like the partnership because mm-hmm. one of the things that we have done is we built a very strong partnership with Macmillan, and mm-hmm. Macmillan is one of our sources for our textbooks. Uh-huh. And one of the things that they have done is they provide me with a lot of digital copies, mm. digital copies for, for students as well as for teachers. Yeah. And they also send me sample text. So once I get a sample text, they're going to the schools for free, mm-hmm. right? I, there's and it nothing. Fits into your greening, exactly. Yeah. Going exactly. Green. <laughs> Thank you. We've had 
You finished? Yeah, yeah. We've had really strong partnerships with some corporate citizens who've made devices available to children. Mm. And and to report, I mean, for the for the support that we've had over the last three years, this country has approximately seven thousand school age children. Mm. Approximately, it could be. I think it's a little bit higher now, and I'll I'll, I'll go and get those numbers. But to consider that the gifting may have already supplied a laptop to each of those 7,000 children oh, wow. over the time frame, people must take care of the gifts. Yes, that yes. They, <laughs> well, these are children we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and these are devices that can be broken up. Huh? Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, but considering the support over the last three years, we have um, seen devices in our schools. Uh, some people relieve us of those every now and then. Mm-hmm. So security is an issue mm-hmm. in schools for us. And we have seen gifting, giftings to children so that, that in, in some families, each child is getting a device without the family having to invest anything mm-hmm. in, in purchasing it. Um, and then, of course, we have had support from the two telecommunications companies in the country who have provided data um, or data packages that, mm-hmm. that could um, be affordable for children and for teachers and so things like that, I think um, some resources may be limited and costly. Others, we've had good support with, with helping children to access those. And I imagine that going forward, it's, it's going to get better in terms of um, accessing. My concern would be that the most vulnerable children can actually uh, have access to those devices and, and or resources. And, and then there is that other side of this whole thing when you mm. talk about rocking the boat. Mm. Uh, people wanting to ask questions about who gets what. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I will leave that there. Yeah. Do we have time for more? Hey, no, we've had an education this morning. Haven't we? <laughs> I feel filled. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Lanzi, take thirty seconds and just wrap up. Talk to Turks and Caicos. What is it you'd like to see us uh, do to help education? Okay, I, I would like to speak to parents, right? Because I have a little one myself, and I understand how important the role is of the parent. I want you parents to be actively engaged in your children's learning. Um, our teachers are tired and stressed, and they have little ones of their own, so they're trying their best in the classroom. So I want you, when they get home, a system where they can help them, talk to them be there for them. I want you to also utilize um, some of the resources that we have available for you. You can log on to gov.tc slash cdu. That's our curriculum development unit page. Or you can go into YouTube and type curriculum development TCI. That's our YouTube page. All right. So look at those resources, see what's available for you, see how you can help your children at home, download those curriculums and work with partnership with your teachers. Thank you. And Mr. Director, the last word is yours. Last word is mine. Um, thank you very much. Thank you for having us here this morning to, yeah. to talk about some of the things that we're doing in education, some of the challenges that we have. And my appeal would have been to parents, but I think Mr. Lancy has done um, a, quite a good job at doing that. So my, my last words would be, we are always going to have ideas about how things could be better. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is watching those things work out on the ground it is coming alongside each other. This is a partnership. And I want to remind Turks and Caicos about that. If, if we don't run this country as a partnership with each other, we will lose some of the ideas and opportunities we think we have. Other people will come in. Turks and Caicos, yeah. Turks and Caicos, if we're not careful, that, that is probably, it has probably already happened. Yeah. Uh, it will continue to happen. 
we need to be able to stand alongside each other and to support each other, especially if we share a common vision for this country. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, we're going to start a campaign. Edgar Howell for election. No, 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 no. No, if, if you're, if you're, if you're elected. I hope you say Blue Hills, but then yeah. I forget. We're ready to go Howell at Blue Hills. Yeah. If you're electing me to church, it might work. <laughs> Thank you both so very much. It has truly been inspirational to have you on this morning. And Absolutely. Please come back. You have to come back. Absolutely. Maybe we can deal with other parts of the exams. Yep. Yeah. Yes. So we, there's an open invitation to come back. Okay. Let us know. This Absolutely. has been First Edition. I'm Sherilyn Foreman. And I'm Shivaka Jolly.